Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and myself continue our discussion on the commandments, beginning with the Sixth Commandment. Hi, guys. Uh, we're on to the next episode of Being Lutheran. Hi, my name is Pastor Brett Bowe, and I'm here with... <laughs> you Pastor can't Brian. handle a change. Pastor Brian, Ricky. You're so yeah. Lutheran, Brian. You can't handle a change. Hey, maybe we should ask our listeners to suggest yeah. intros. Someone, if someone out there listening, if anyone is out there, and you want a script for us, an actual yes. decent intro, we are open to suggestions. Hi, I'm Pastor Napoleon Dynamite, and uh, this is... Um, I'm, I'm Pastor Napoleon Dynamite. My lips are real tots? bad. <laughs> no, this is good. It's it's great to be together, and uh, if anything, we just love talking to each other and enjoying yeah. reflecting on these theological truths. It is so hard to get pastors to talk to each other about things. <laughs> you guys have no idea the sacrifice we're making by doing this on a regular basis. Well, well but <laughs> out of fairness, it, it's hard to find pastors that you can trust Sure. So where you can talk about what we're talking about in a way right. that actually is edifying for us, and hopefully it's edifying to the listener. I mean, yeah. I walk away from these things going, "Wow, I really learned something yeah, from great. both of you." And yep. you know, we were in Did seminary well. class together, and mm-hmm. you know, um, it was we learned back then, and we're learning together now. And that's yeah. the beauty and the privilege of being a pastor right. is that that never ends. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the whole premise of this material is, mm-hmm. is to just kind of illustrate that not only is the material of the catechism good, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also revolutionary that, you know, Luther himself said, I can never be a master right. of the catechism, that we always have to be returning to it mm-hmm. and, and, and refreshing ourselves and uh, the application uh, to our lives is endless, that mm-hmm. there's always something more we can be learning uh, and just having an avenue to discuss that mm-hmm. is, is beneficial for everyone involved. Right. Even pastors need to be sanctified through yes. the word. <laughs> Indeed, Amen. especially yeah. pastors. Right, maybe. exactly. <laughs> I think that's why I love those pastor guys gatherings, whether it's like a pastor's conference, uh, to stay up late at night and yeah. to talk about... Talk shop. Stuff, talk yeah. shop, yeah. And so I guess this is our chance to do that. And you guys that are listening, you get to listen to us uh, do this. And uh, yeah, hopefully you're blessed the same way, like you mentioned, Brian. And uh, so today we're going to jump into the Sixth Commandment. And this is the Sixth Commandment in the Lutheran set the, of The biblical commandments. set. <laughs> The correct order? The correct order, yes. Uh, As per the Reformed order. Right. So if you have the the Ten Commandments on your wall, just uh, maybe double check to see which version you have. Make sure the Second Commandment uh, doesn't say, thou shalt not make a graven image. Yeah, right. (laughs) Well, I think Luther said it's not a big deal. Yeah. But in the end, we put the graven image under the First Commandment as application of the First Commandment and then proceed from there. Yep, right. So... Um, Yeah, so we're on the Sixth Commandment, which is this. uh, You shall not commit adultery. And uh, as Luther says in the Catechism, what does this mean? He says we should fear and love God so that we may lead a pure and decent life in words and deeds and each love and honor his spouse. So there we have it, the Sixth Commandment. Yeah, what's striking about the commandments, especially the second table of the law in relation to our neighbor, to me, I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of weeks, is the power of words. 
Mm-hmm. We live in this, uh, depending on which philosopher you were, you were subscribing to at the time, we either live in a postmodern or a post-postmodern society. And e- either way, uh, we're uh, addicted in a modern society to relativism, which means your words can mean anything you want to or nothing at all. Uh, and that is runs completely contrary to scripture. And so you see Luther, uh, again, uh, over and over again, we just talked about the thou shalt not kill what well, we kill our neighbor with words all the time. And mm-hmm. then now thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, that involves our words as well. And yeah. it's striking. Right? One thing I teach to my confirmation students is I, I, I equate words to a hammer. You can either build something or you can tear something down. Mm-hmm. And it can be destructive, can be extremely destructive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think as Jesus shares in, in the Gospels too that uh, he's not only hitting on outward actions, certainly that comes into to play, but he's also hitting at the heart or the motivations behind the actions as well. And we can be idolatrous in that, that leads us to sin in various different ways. And so as we think about our vocations and our, our callings, the one vocation that comes into four here is that of husband and wife. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Hey, I beat you we to did. it, Jason. You beat me to yes. it. Yeah, that's, you, you, you co-opted me there is what you did. Yeah, it's, oh, this is kind of a, a stunning sort of thing is we have this quasi chart we're developing of the commandments proho- prohibiting mm-hmm. and promoting. The prohibiting one here is easy, right? Sure. The, the commandment yeah. forbids adultery because it mm-hmm. just literally says you shall not commit adultery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would think that the promotion would be purity. Mm-hmm. We would think, and, and it certainly falls in there. It's in uh, the the explanation of the small catechism that you just read that we may lead a pure and decent life. We would think that would be the goal that we're striving to here. But really, what the commandment is promoting is family, mm-hmm. uh, and, and part of the understanding is is that God's gift of sexuality, mm-hmm. uh, of of human intimacy. Uh, he has provided an avenue where that is uh, appropriate and delightful is and good. beneficial. Uh, and, and that's why we look at the area of the family. And, and, you know, the, the families, the husband and wife are given for procreation and are given for human intimacy. And, and certainly then uh, within those bounds, purity is something to strive for. Mm-hmm. But the purity needs to be classified and qualified uh, before it's something that's corrupted. And we would go immediately as Reformation Lutherans to the corruptions of the Catholic Church to find out what happens when purity replaces the family uh, because the the Roman Catholics uh, have made an idol out of chastity, mm-hmm. out of uh, celibacy uh, in the priesthood and in the, in, in the monastery. It, it tends to become more moralistic mm-hmm. uh, and, and we lose sight of the gospel and, and exactly what God really is promoting, as you said, with the family mm-hmm. and how the family really, honestly, is one of the key ways in which God intended for disciples to be made yep. for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think that's really, honestly, why Satan has attacked the family so violently, uh, especially in the last 20 years, uh, because he hates the family, because that was what God had instituted, not only as image bearers of God, but procreation and the raising of godly children was really the primary means by which God wanted disciples to be to be made. And, and if you take that and you go back to Reformation-era Christianity, which is really what we're trying to do here to understand the teaching, is Luther had this concept of the three estates, 
where we practice our vocations. You mm -hmm. have the estate of family. You got your soundboard ready, Brian? Because yeah. it's going to help ding, up ding, a ding, lot. Ding. Yeah. We, we have the estate of family. We have the estate of the church. And we have the estate of society. Vocation. Well, voca <laughs> there you go. You got a big deep. Should I email James Earl Jones right. to say the word vocation for it? Vocation. Yeah. Uh, but you take those three estates, the, the final two estates are both built on and founded by the family. And so that the church flows from the family and society flows from the family. Just read through Proverbs. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my son, listen to your father's teaching. Uh, mm -hmm. your, your mother's teaching will be like a garland around your neck. Mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. there's this mother, father, family um, anointed uh ordained uh, institution where God wants the father and mother to be raising and training disciples for Christ. Well, and you have, if you go back to the Jewish religion in the Old Testament pointing us to Christ, obviously, but it was a much more hierarchical system than what we're used to even today. You had the priests, you had the Levites, you had the worship leaders and so on and so forth. And yet the entire Jewish worship system of the Old Testament is built on that Shema of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, which talks about parents pass this word on to your kids. Uh, and, you know, Adam passed the faith on to Seth and his children. Wait, they, uh, did, they didn't have a youth group in the tent back in the wilderness? <laughs> it, would, it would have been interesting, but I don't think so. <laughs> there, there wasn't like a small group Bible studies? It was... If you, you want to go to the tribes, <laughs> maybe there was posted on the, the bulletin board, Dan Bible study uh, this time, Asher, by, you know, no, I'm, but anyway, no, it's, it's a family thing first. Yeah. And every baptism I do, I always go up to the father. I give them Luther's small catechism mm -hmm. and I say very politely, you will answer for the spiritual well-being of your home, not me. Yeah. And, yeah. and I said, if you need any tools, though, I am there for oh. you. Uh, anything that you need to equip your family to teach them the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, come and get me, and I will mm -hmm. help you. Hey, yeah. One of the requirements we're working on faith for confirmation is I have now in the near future my first confirmation classes here. We have, we've had for several years young children, and now they're starting to get mm -hmm. into those age. Yeah, uh, one of the requirements we're trying to implement is that to start confirmation, they have to have the small catechism memorized mm -hmm. uh, because it's the parents' responsibility to put that information in their heads. And then as pastors, we can train that and explain it. That's mm -hmm. what the large catechism kind of explodes onto the scene from the teaching of the small catechism. Sure. Yeah. And those are all obviously idealistic mm -hmm. things that we want to happen, but reality is... Uh, there are so many broken families. There are so many broken marriages. There are so many uh, children in, in less than ideal situations. And we do what we can as the church to teach them the saving gospel of Jesus Christ and just to continue to come alongside them as well. Yeah, yeah and, and, that's, and I think part of the, the problem, the brokenness has come from breaking this commandment even. Yeah. And I guess I want to take this in a maybe a slightly different direction here, but um, thinking about you mentioned the prohibit and promoting, mm -hmm. and I want to read for us one of the most terrifying verses that I've that has always gripped my conscience, and maybe it, it gripped my conscience especially when I was younger and in those youth group days mm -hmm. when um, I was maybe living under the law more than hearing the gospel. But anyhow, um, yeah, then Matthew five uh, twenty seven twenty eight. You have heard that it was said, "You shall not commit adultery." But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
And, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, maybe you could go back and listen to, I think it was episode one where we shared about uh, how we maybe were broken by the law, which is good. Um, but this verse especially really sunk its teeth into me as a young guy. And it was terrifying. Um, and that's what the law does is it's sharp. And that's what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount. In speaking about the sixth commandment here, he's taking it right to the heart of the matter of what's happening in our minds, what's happening in our hearts. As we see, as we look at or, or see uh, a woman, um, um, another person, uh, that's not our spouse. This is really why we, I think it's a good exercise to do the prohibit promote. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you said the law cut right to the heart. That's Hebrews 4.12, the right. law mm-hmm. is sharper than any double-edged sword, yep. you know, bone and marrow, soul and spirit, those kind of things. Uh, with the prohibit, the gloss is, well, if I don't sleep with anyone who's not my spouse, sure. I'm okay. But we're making the law accomplishable. It is mm-hmm. actually, you can accomplish not sleeping with someone else, you know, and it, it seems like every passing year, it's more and more difficult to actually do that. Mm-hmm. There's a possibility, but the law becomes attainable. And so right. you've got Matthew 5, 27, 28. Sure. If, you, if you want to do the act, you've already done the act, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The same thing works on the promote, you know, mm-hmm. we lust, um, adultery, you know, obviously the pornography epidemic we're experiencing, especially in America today, mm-hmm. all condemned by this commandment. What I get really concerned about uh, is when purity becomes the idol for the Christian in mm-hmm. this area. And I'm, I'm going to make myself sound like a bad guy in saying that, mm-hmm. but I, I'm very sincere in this. Is uh, I, at the one hand, on the one hand, the, the quest for purity in the church is something we ought to be committing ourselves to. It ought to be te- taught more. Uh, uh, there was a Christian blogger I read last year uh, who was railing against this terminology of uh, pornography addiction and sexual addiction. And he says, I'm willing to bet that more often than not, when someone says they're addicted to pornography, it's really they're saying, I have bad willpower. And I, I thought that was something worth worth considering. Again, not to minimize actual addiction, but, but this is the sort of thing. And where I will criticize the purity movement is this, is that as soon as we resist sexual temptation in whatever form that comes in, you know, not uh, entertaining pornography, not, you know, anything like this. And we want to be sensitive in how we talk about this because mm-hmm. we don't know who's listening uh, at the time. Uh, someone will say, I've had victory over that sure. sin in my yep. life. Every man's battle. Every man's battle. I've had victory. Now, when people come into my office as a pastor, or even when I struggle uh, with sin in my own life as a pastor, I uh, am yeah. very uh, direct and even aggressive in, in moving away from that terminology. And I'll say, stop, right there. We, it, it is never in Scripture ever described that victory over sin is success in not committing sin. Ever once is that the case. Hmm. Your victory over sin is always and only Jesus Christ on the cross in your place. That being said, resistance of temptation, this is now a Sixth Commandment issue, or whatever your temptation is. Maybe you don't struggle with with, Mm -hmm. uh, sexual sin, but you happen to be a kleptomaniac. We're going to get there with... Uh, commandment seven. Maybe you're a gossip. We'll get there with commandment Mm -hmm. eight. Maybe you're a passive, aggressive, whatever, and the coveting commandments really are going to sink 
you know, into you. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's being a domineering parent or boss or whatever. We all have our temptations because we're all sinners. But the point of the matter is when we talk about purity, when we talk about integrity, mm-hmm. uh, that your victory over sin is never your success in avoiding sin. Amen. I, I think we could say that over and over again. I, that is such a huge point. And I think as Lutherans, that that comes from that that worldview we have as as we see uh, recognize law and gospel and we we see that in in scripture so many times i've heard i remember you sharing your testimony very early in the podcast series just how the catechism was so instrumental in freeing you from some of these this bondage of of the i have to do this i have to do this of trying to keep the law Mm -hmm. uh, when that verse in james is like ringing in the back of our head you know trying to present the gospel to us like if you try to keep the whole law you fail at even the slightest point the whole law is then brought back on you as 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 an accuser and and reading that mm-hmm. verse as a kid as you mm-hmm. said in, in Matthew chapter 5 uh, un, not understanding another layer of that just uh, just Jesus revealing to all of his listeners at that point is that you have absolutely no possible way to keep the law ever period mm-hmm. and and this is you know this is a great time to apply this mm-hmm. the, the Christian life is a life of dependence on the gospel, but informed by the law. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in my own life, it's I have to do this, I have to do this. When that becomes the definition of your Christianity, what you're going to find is you're not living your life as a Christian. No. And and there there got to be the point in my own life when I sat down and said, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm not doing it right. You're certainly not resting in the freedom of, of the cross. You're not resting in the freedom of the victory of Christ Jesus. So there's a sense that Yes, even after being cleansed and forgiven for maybe breaking this commandment, you might set out to say, I'm, I am going to do all that I can to seek to avoid sin and avoid temptation. But there will be times where we do break this commandment, even if it's just in our thoughts, like Jesus uh, opens that up before us. And so that is an opportunity, in a sense, to keep us humble and keep us push right back to the cross and and to say, I need you, Christ. Amen. And it's about balance because so many times, you know, Paul even said in Romans, like, you know, so we do we keep on sinning that grace may abound, may it never mm-hmm. be. That's not the case either. It's about really honestly being brutally honest about ourselves. We talk ourselves into things. We justify things by our motives sometimes. And and Jesus cuts to the heart. And again, that's the purpose of the law uh, to just reveal exactly what our motives are. And if we are willing to be honest, it's so much easier to rest in the freedom of the cross because then as we try to abstain from from viewing pornography or abstain from looking at a woman or a man in a lustful way, what we're doing is we're worshiping Christ rather than treating it as an I have to. Mm-hmm. It becomes an I want yeah, to amen. because Jesus is worthy and I am free in him. Right, do we just talk about sanctification as, yeah, well, as oh Lutherans? Well, can we do that? But that's the whole point. And yeah, this, is, right. this is where the law and gospel dynamic comes into play right. for our real life. Uh, we are freed by the gospel. We're forgiven of the sin. The law no longer condemns us, but let us not pull punches. This commandment still wants us to be pure. It is God's mm-hmm. will yeah. that you would have purity and integrity in your life. And so this is that cyclical thing or that abiding language that you use, Brian, is that the law tells us to go and do this and go and don't do this. And then we try 
to the best of our ability to do this and to don't do this. And when we fail, the immediate response of the Christian ought to be, Lord, have mercy. Mm-hmm. Repentance. This third use of the law moment was brought to you by <laughs> BeingLutheran.com. <laughs> That's the thing, right? We're, we're allowed to talk about it yeah. because it's law and gospel, not law then gospel. You know, the, the gospel doesn't yeah. replace the law. Right. The law and gospel are God's word. It's the language God speaks to us. Sure. It's not one or the other. It's both all mm-hmm. of the time. And so, you know, we can look at the, the law is calling you to purity, mm-hmm. but at the same time, God's word is celebrating marriage. Mm-hmm. It is celebrating uh, a place where these sort of behaviors are permitted and and loved by God. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it is celebrating the faithfulness of the triune God we serve as image bearers of God as new creations in Christ Jesus, because we serve a God who is faithful, and he asks his children in the freedom of Christ to be faithful to him. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Join us next week as Pastor Brett, Pastor Jason, and myself continue our discussion on the Sixth Commandment. God bless you, and have a great week.